Welcome to the Alaskan Grappler Podcast. I am your host, Dennis Ackman. For our first podcast, I have my good buddy Wes Bockert on the show. We talk about the crazy close state tournament from last year between Lathrop and Colony when Lathrop edged out Colony by two points. We talk about his success as a coach with winning assistant coach of the year three times and head coach of the year twice two of which were in the last three seasons. We talk about Lathrop's team this year and his expectations at making another state title run. We talk a little bit about his past and where his passion for wrestling comes from, some of his most haunting moments as a coach, and some of his most favorite moments as a coach, and so much more. Here is the audio from that interview. Enjoy. I'm sitting here with the head coach of Lathrop. Coach of Ryan Middle School, the director of Team Alaska, and the owner of Interior Grappling Academy in Fairbanks, Alaska. My guest is Wes Bacher. Wes, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks. Yeah, so uh, we're going to start off the podcast talking about what we ended the high school season with. State tournament. Lathrop High School. Won the state title, first time in 17 years, Mm -hmm. over Colony, by two points. Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, what did it take? Well, I mean, one, I think I think a lot of, there was some luck in some of our matches, I would say. Um, we knew what we had to do going into it. You know, even Coach Jamison um, was telling me, like, I have to have 15 placers. And I was thinking, man, this, that's going to be ridiculous. Like, it's going to be tough. Um, Colony and South were coming in with tough teams. So um, I was just hoping to have a, a good showing and, like, you just be a powerhouse, you know, just at least something to validate that we're going on the right track. But then we're, we're in the running with Colony. Um, Colony's points, it was 318, I believe they had. Um, we won 320. Uh, they would have won state the past, I think, five, six years with those points. Oh, wow. I yeah. was not so, aware of that. I mean, so, I mean, they, they've, they've won states with less points. So um, to have two teams... At 320-318 was ridiculous. Their their team, which is always powerhouse, um, kept answering back with their young kids. Their their back half kids were just like pinning, and I you know. And then I'd have my back half kids that like are tough. You know, they could place. They could also have a bad tournament. Just pinning people. Um, one of my kids that didn't even place beat the two time state champ from Ketchikan. Um, and then I couldn't even get him to play. So the, the state tournament, I think, was it was just, I mean, that's what you live for. Yeah, so. I think it was uh, crazy. You know, going into the state tournament, I think a lot of people had Lathrop and Colony as the top two teams. With South yeah. and Wasilla probably being some powerhouses that, you know, they're going to need a lot of luck and a lot of uh, things to happen in their favor for them to be a, a major contender. But, I mean, they were right there. But a lot seemed to go right for Lathrop, like you said, and then a lot seemed to go right for Colony. I mean... At one point, you guys seem to be like got it in the bag, heading into the finals. Five right. finalists, yeah. I believe, and Colony had I think about the same. But it was like, all right, we have some. You know, your son Wesley was a defending state champ. Mm-hmm. You can't ever count anyone like as a lock, but no. you know, we're, we're, we're counting on probably him going to win. Zach Talver was the number one seeded kid. Mm-hmm. His only loss was to. Uh, Michael Lucas for a small school, so he was probably a favorite. You had Jeremy Bacher, your your other son. He was in the finals. We had Jason Edwards was in the finals. And then 
Oh, is that it? Four? Oh, Jacob Spencer, Jacob who was a, a, you know, that was his third year in a row being in the finals, senior. So it was like looking pretty good. And then all of a sudden, Jacob Spencer loses. Um, they also have another kid that beats um, Shaq from South Anchorage. Yeah. And, and, and he ended up getting um, injury forfeit. So that was pinpoints. Um, you know, Zach Tolver lost, you know, when yeah. he, which so was we, an upset. We took some big hits. We took some big hits. I, I, th- I think, it, like, if you would have played out what we thought everybody could do and we're supposed to do, I think, I mean, there would have been a bigger margin. But at the same time, some of Colony's kids had bad tournaments. Like, I, I think one of their one of their best kids is Aiden Eman. That kid's just a, a, a brutal, but he's young. And he had some off matches that kind of hurt him. And I think they had a couple kids that... that had the same issue um but like you never know right really it's not it's not like who's got the best team right it's it's about who peaks and and how prepared they have their kids ready to um handle adversity at the state tournament yeah because like the momentum could die like it did you saw a couple of the teams boom they hit a wall up that that's it Colony's done. They lost that match. We've got them. And then, bam, we hit it too. But never once did Colony or um, Lathrop, like, it didn't affect the next round. It was like, okay, forget. They, they did good. They forgot about it, and then they went back to chipping away. So, uh, no, I, listen, I live for that. Yeah. Like, I love the battle of the big green machine. You know what I mean? Not that I hate them, but, like, you have that, like, I don't want to lose to you guys. You yeah. know what I mean? And they have the same thing. Like, you know, I've got a kid. I, I coach uh, Holland, Team Alaska, super competitive. When when we're around each other, we just jab at each other, and it's a great time. And sometimes it gets heated. Um, I love that kid, but it's that's what I live for, that yeah. passion of having fun. It's like playing. I, I Equivalent uh, high school season is playing poker with your buddies. You know what I mean? It's going to get heated. Yeah. People are going to lose big time, but you're always going to want to come back and do it again. Yeah, you know? well, I think it's also important to have teams like that or just, you know, other people or whatever because it, I mean, even though it's not coach versus coach, I mean, it right. kind of is, but you have to have someone or something to strive for because if you're just winning state title after state title after state title and blowing everyone out of the water, that's nice. But, you know, just like any wrestler who, you know, crushes everybody and then doesn't do anything in the offseason because they don't have anything to worry about. And then the kid that did all the stuff in the offseason comes and, you know, ends up maybe upsetting them or something like that. You have to have something to, like a goal to constantly reach for. And during the state tournament, I mean, at a lot of points, you know, you guys were getting like a sizable lead. And then all of a sudden, nowhere colony would be right back and then, and then they're yeah. right within striking distance and then and then the separation would happen again and then boom they're right there again and it just kept happening and happening and it was i mean for me one of the most exciting at least team races that i've ever seen just because even at the end how close right. it was i mean it got to the point where they had one kid left and he needed to beat bradley annisberger right chances yeah. of that happening are very slim and and that kid was you know not taking anything away from him i think he was like a sixth seed or fifth seed i mean he was he was young. Sixth seed. he was lucky to be like you know yeah. he had a good tournament to even make it to the finals to yeah, give he, them a chance he brought his game to colony he i i think like he he's the type of kid like hey if we could just get you to place that'd be great and all of a sudden he's in the finals right you know what i mean so i mean and, and it went that way a lot with mm-hmm. you know from both sides on, on both 
on both teams having like things that not necessarily shouldn't have happened, but I mean, like you said, I guess luck or just something being in your favor. And then, but it also seemed to be in their favor and just at well, the end, just edged out just a little bit more. So, you know, to get to the point to why is that? Why are these teams like that? Why is it always the same team? Is it these, these coaches? Um, I think the head coaches, you know, they kind of got the formula of like, it's not about the head coach, right? He manages and he brings, you know, he's got a bus. He gets the right people on the bus to build that program. Um, and, and he kind of figures out how he's at the, you know, Sean Hayes, um, Todd Hopkins. I mean, you know, you see so many people in those programs and they're not like the main guys all the time. You know or, what I mean? There's right. other people sitting in those. They've got the right people on the bus. They've got great programs. They'll always be strong. You you know, um, you never know what's going to happen. You know, we, you know, I know for a fact. Like maybe Wasilla lost a lot of senior kids, but they're they're going to still be. I I put them still in the running. Yeah. You know, they could come back and surprise us. You know what I mean? Yeah, and they're one of those teams that just always seems to be in the, t- yeah. the top five. You know, at they least they know the past... how to build tough wrestlers. Yeah, I did not win state with a lot of talent. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, the kids at place, I had 19 state placers, man. 19. That's ridiculous. We're trying to figure out if that's like a national record. Um, 19 state placers. I'm going to tell you, I had four super talented kids. Like, talented. Like, I'm going to take them to nationals, and they have a chance. Right? right. The rest are just tough. They had big gas tanks. I made them mean, and I gave them attitudes. And they were going to bang for six minutes. Yeah. That's tough. Not talent. That's tough. Right. Tough, hardworking kids will beat talent all the time. And I think when you peak them at state, that's what creates a, a state championship team. And I think that these, these coaches from South, Wasilla, and Colony, they understand that. Like, you can't just win with talent alone. Like, you have to build a tough program. Yeah, and I think that the other thing is, too, that, you know, you said earlier that, like, not the best team always wins, which is a great point. I don't think the best team always wins. I think it's the team that has the best tournament. I mean, you could wrestle the state tournament exactly how it is three weekends in a row, and you might have three different results. I mean, one team might blow everyone out of the water. It might be close like it was this time. Or, you know, another team might, you know, have their kids wrestle to the best of their ability and be like a dark horse that happened to come through and, and do really well. Right. And I, and I think, like, to put on top of that, like, so I'm talking about the four, you know, four always top um, four uh, tough teams. But then when you go to small school, right, you got a smaller population of kids in a school. Right. But then you got Homer and Bethel, like, showing up and banging it out with those, those, those schools that are, like, top-level schools that have huger populations. Right. They, they figured out the recruiting. They figured out how to get the kids out. They're they're doing the work. So, I mean, there's so many dynamics. That's what's, what makes wrestling great. There's so many dynamics of uh, the coaching aspect. And, uh, and, and the best part is, like, when I, when I, as the director for Team Alaska, when I bring, you know, Darren Lieben, Darren Pestrikoff, Randy Hansen, um... You know, it, we've had Holland Gravely. We've had all these coaches. They do they do things differently, and they do things the same. Right. So these kids, and, and, and as a coach, like, um, I think, 
you know, you fall short as a coach. And, I, and, and we do have a, a population of coaches that just want to stay in their little circle, their little bubble, right? They don't want to branch out. They don't want their kids going, messing with others. They don't want them interacting. They, they want to be safe, right? Well, then you have these kids that are engaging all these other coaches. And uh, they're, uh, they're sitting there and they're, they're learning from I've I've picked up so much stuff from these younger coaches that have come back from college. And then we bring Michaela, Sam Schmidt up here. Sam Schmidt is the head coach at McKendry uh, Wrestling Club or McKendry University. Um, he's on the USA wrestling staff for the women's world team. Um, and he's in there sharing. And he will tell me, like, he loves when he gets to sit back and watch um, Nathan Hoffer run a session on how he teaches younger kids how to get good head position, like the small details. Because one, like when another coach tells your kid the same thing that you were always trying to reinforce, and that kid thinks your practices are boring because you're talking about the same thing, like it validates like right coming boring, from another person. Boring practices sometimes your best practices. Right. You know what I mean? And uh, these coaches are constantly growing from each other and getting better. And I, and I think that's why they're always on top. They're branching out. Um, and it's not any other coach's fault. Like, they have jobs. They have lives. They have families. Like, you know, there's some sacrifice to be said for these coaches that are, are doing these next-level things. You know, they're giving up their summers and traveling instead of spending with family. And right. Some coaches can't do that. So no fault of theirs. It's just like, you know, what I'd like to see is not – hating on the coaches that get to do that as much right you know what i mean yeah you, you don't be don't be mad because i want your kid to wrestle all summer because you can't like don't put down what we're doing right like, support it we understand you can't be there that doesn't make you less of a coach but that doesn't make us malicious because we want to work with your kid either yeah well so speaking on coaching and success and stuff so we're sitting in your office at interior grappling academy <coughs> And I'm looking up on the wall, and you were assistant coach of the year for West Valley for 2002 to 2003 season. You're assistant coach of the year for Lathrop 2007, assistant coach of the year for Lathrop 2009, and then head coach of Lathrop for 2015 to 2016, and then also last year 2017 2018. What makes you successful as a coach? And I guess like so, some people might not be aware that are listening. You left. You had to move through the through the military. Yeah, and then I deployed you, and then I moved. Yep, yeah, and then you came back to coach Lathrop. And when you came back, how, the program was not where you wanted to be and right. and not where it is now. So besides just coaching, I mean, something changed and it was, you know, you came back and you brought your coaching philosophy back because right. before you left, Lathrop was also really successful. Right. And then I mean, I know kids programs kind of sometimes have their ups and downs with mm-hmm. talent and and the pool of wrestlers that come in, but you came back and you had what was it, like nine kids or something like that. Yep. At the state tournament. Twelve or? kids at the state tournament placed placed uh forget what we fifth played. or something? Fifth, fifth. Well, your first year back. Yeah. Right. And the year before Almost all of them placed. And the year before I believe Lathrop took like 13th place or something like really yeah, low yeah. probably the lowest that I remember them being in a long time so I guess my question is what's been like what why are you a successful coach you have all these awards you come back take over a program you, you guys take fifth place or whatever and then I think third third first or so something like that I think, okay so there's a dynamic to that 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 other coaches don't so you know you got coaches like Sean Hayes um 
From Wasilla. From Wasilla. And this guy's been here forever. Darren Lee, been here forever. And they're coaching, right? And and I finally have consistently been able to coach. I think this is going to be my third or fourth season. Um, like, I'm realizing, like, it takes work to stay motivated. You know what I mean? Right. And stay fired up. Like, not not work as in, like, this is boring now. I, you know, I don't want to do it. It's just, like... You know, you got to be careful about being stagnant and maintaining. Maintaining is a killer. Like, you don't want to maintain. Like, maintaining means you're looking to your left and right and make sure you're staying with your partners. You don't want to stay with your partners. You want to get ahead, right? But, like, you can get complacent doing that. I think the advantage of a couple things with the dynamics of being, like, uh, assistant coach of the year or head coach of the year, like, five times in, like, uh, a span of ten years. So that's, like, 50%. Yeah. Um, you know, not to say it was cheating, but like I left, the program died down a little bit, and I came back, fired it up, and I did things that people didn't think I w- was capable of doing. Right. Right. So then they're like, "Man, that guy's coach of the year." I'm like, <laughs> "Not really, not really. I'm no different than um, these other coaches that are doing great every year. I'm just, I'm one of those guys. I just." It's more amplified because I disappeared and I showed you what happens when you don't have a coach there. Yeah, but right? I think that you're being like – I don't think you're taking as much credit as you deserve because that might be true, but those awards are voted on by you know other coaches and stuff. They know what it takes to be successful. They know what the other programs have been doing, and even yeah. though you're gone, I mean – when you were gone, the team didn't do well, and then you came back, and then the team did outstanding. Well, well, so it's not just a coincidence. So with the assistant coach of the year thing, I mean, that was kind of easy because I was head coach basically for real, right? Right. Everybody knew I was really the head coach. Right. But I couldn't take the positions because I would deploy right. to Iraq and then come back, and then I deployed to Iraq again and then went to Afghanistan, and then I came back. And coached a couple years and then got sent to South Carolina as a first sergeant to run the basic training company with drill sergeants. So I was in and out, in and out, in and out. So, you know, I, you know, that's kind of why I turned over Team Alaska. I, you know, I ran Team Alaska, the cadet and junior program forever. And, and I didn't feel it was fair to the kids. They needed consistency. So Mark Lane stepped in. He had it year to year. And they, he, he, he was doing it. That's an awesome, another great, awesome coach. Um but when it came to the assistant coach of the year, I th- you know, it's kind of like, you know, it's, it was outweighed on other assistant coaches, you know, because the head coaches right. are there in yeah. their way. Yeah, the yeah. assistant coach is kind of that young guy. Yeah, I get that. And I was the young guy that got to be the head coach and do everything that I wanted. Like, everything was what I said it needed to be. And, like, Mike Jamison and all these guys protected that position for me so I could come in and do those things right. and then leave the next year and have somebody – not a teacher from not another school come in and steal that program and then ne- never, never get, get my hands on it. Right. And and that was kind of the plan. You know, Tom Ritchie, you know, had a legacy here. and They always had tough teams, you know. They, they, they won a lot of tournaments with just their back half. Um, and I was at West Valley, and I kind of wanted to make my own mark. And I saw at Lathrop it was tough, but there was missing – it was missing the aspect of, like, Producing stud after stud after every year. You know what I mean? Multiple right. state champions. I think they had state champs, but they were fewer and far between. But they had a lot of thirds all the way down the fifth. Right. They built a great team. It was a great coaching staff. Which, speaking on that, just real quick, the last time that Lathrop won a state championship, they didn't have any state champions. They had a bunch of kids in the finals, right. And but they won it through the back door. Yeah. 
So, and, and I mean, <clears throat> there's a lot of dynamics of which you can talk about in that aspect. But when it came to the assistant coach of the year, like, I kind of, you know, like, who are you going to vote against? The guy that's a, really a head coach that has to take a step down. Right. And everybody knows he deploys and he's an Army guy. Like, who, you know, the pat on the back. Like, I think that played a little role into it. But as the head coach, the head coach, you know, I've been wait. It was, like, awesome waiting for years to get to that. Yeah. And then... Well, and then you got two in the past, what, three seasons? Yeah. And, uh, you know, and my kids are a part of that this time. You know, I coached for years with no no kids in it, and my kids are in it. And, uh, you know, it's a little more fun, and but yet yeah, still a headache. So Yeah, no, I mean, you definitely had, like, a special season in particular. I mean, you had both your sons wrestling together. Obviously, it would have been the ultimate if if Jeremy could have won state. But, I mean, still being in the state finals as a freshman yeah. is incredible. You had your, your son, uh, Wesley, who was a senior. He won state back-to-back. And then right. you won head coach of the year. And then the team also won a state title for the first yeah, time in yeah. 17 years. I mean, so I guess my next question is, what's going to happen this year? I mean, you guys are losing a lot of people. You're losing Wesley, state champ. Zach Tolver, state runner-up. And these are all seniors, by the way. Mm-hmm. Jacob Spencer, state runner-up. Chad Edwards, state placer. Kay Knott, state placer. Jordan Knott, state placer. Wyatt Story, <clears throat> excuse me. Wyatt Story, state placer. And Zach Kosa, state placer. Yeah. Those are just seniors that, that you guys aren't going to yeah. be having returning this year. Are you going to be competitive? Uh, you think you're going to be in the in the running for another state title? I mean... I, well, <clears throat> as far as the state title, I definitely feel like... In the past, when I was in the running for state titles, I think 2014 or 15 when Colony won it, and they won it by like half a point over us or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, or more points. I forget. It was like <coughs> close going into the finals or something. Um, I was in way better shape then, and I didn't win it. This year, I'm not in as great shape, but I've got a lot of return. Like you just mentioned about a lot of kids and seniors, but that wasn't even 50% of no, yeah, what I know. placed at state. Right. And, you know, like I mentioned, the kid that beat that two-time state champ from Ketchikan. Yeah, Will, Willie Poland. Rodriguez. Yep. Yeah. My kid, <clears throat> Willie Poland, beat him. Um, he didn't even place, but I think, like, he's going to be another factor yeah. this year. Um, we have, you know, Colton Perdome, just like everybody else, who's a stud eighth grader, one tan and all. He's a he's gonna be a wrestler for us this year, um, but then then you don't even know if he's gonna make the lineup at one twelve or he's right. gonna have to cut hard down to one hundred three because um, I got two studs there at twelve. So um, I don't know. I'm gonna be tough. Right. Right. I'm gonna be tough. That's never a question. Like I, you know, yeah. I know I I know what it takes to make a tough team. Um, numbers affect that. So you know. It, it's going to be a down. It's it's going to be a lag from last year. It's not. But yeah, I mean, any, any yeah. program would be losing. So eight I think seniors that, I think the next way for me is watching. You know, my son. You know, was it their sophomores this year? Yep. Sophomores this year, Jeremy. You know, Garrett. All those guys. Um, Kobe Ames. All those guys. That's my next wave. Right. So, like, the, you see these teams hit waves. South has got the biggest wave. Yeah. Like a freaking tidal wave. Right. And they just had a kid move in to, two kids move into Anchorage this summer. 
Like if you if you're going to want to be a part of a, a winning team, oh yeah, I mean, like you're gonna end up going to South. Right. No, I think there's like just as good, if not better, coaches in Anchorage area. Like I think Nathan Hoffer, in my opinion, is probably one of the best coaches. Right. Best coaches by far. But in his case, I mean, it takes yeah. a while to kind of build the program and stuff right? like that. Who right. comes out? But if you see what he's doing all year, like and how those kids wrestle, I mean. They're not throwing them. I mean, they're fundamentally the like. He's got it. He's got the answer. I'm trying to figure out what is he doing to do such a great job. Right. So you know, we had him run the the schoolboy down for Team Alaska, the national camp, and uh, you know, we're just you know, he's building. He, he knows how to get it across, and he's not just like, let me show you this move. He's like, let me tell you why and what you should be thinking and what's causing this guy to th- and what you're doing to this guy. I mean, he's at, he's at the next level, and he and for some somehow he's making it get a, get to those next kids. It's getting in their head. Yeah. You know what I mean? Do you think that's because he's just like a younger coach and he can maybe relate a little bit better with them? Just because, you know, if you look at a lot of coaches, I'm I not think, saying. I think for his age, he's beyond. Maturity wise, as far as understanding the aspect of coaching, he's beyond. Yeah. I think his dad had a good role in Scott Armstrong, who were great coaches. I think they had a great role in um, mentoring him as an athlete, but not just an athlete, like a great coach, even when he was an athlete for them. Right. So I think I think he got a head start on things. Um, yeah, it's ridiculous. That kid's ridiculous. Yeah, but so what I was getting at though, I mean, do you think it's cuz do you think like younger coaches sometimes are able to have I don't want to say more success, but relate to the kids because they've been through what they have a lot, you know, um they did it more recent even though Nate yeah. Hoffer did it like, you know, he's been graduated for I don't know, 6 7 years something There's like some that. There's adolescence there? Right. Like immaturities? Right. Not to say like they they dress up like a clown and come to practice. Yeah. Immaturities. But there's some things where, you know, when I go out there and play dodgeball, like, I'll seldom grab a dodgeball and hit a kid in the head, right? Because I don't want to, you know, Yeah. I'm done screwing around with kids, right? <laughs> but these guys, they're out there engaging with them. They're part of the crew. They're part of the team. So they're a coach, and there's that line. But then, the, you know, they feel like he's out there and he's one of the kids, too. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, so you have to have that dynamic. Oh, totally. And when you don't, it shows. Yeah. So, you know, when I get a kid that, you know, um, like Wyatt's story, didn't he, he's not going to go wrestle in college. His knee was bothering him a little bit, and he decided he wanted to get go to school here and uh, get in the labor union and stuff like that. But he's taking a construction management job. So he's trying to get up to the higher echelon of construction, right? So, I mean, he's focused. But at the same time, like, hey, can you give up? Can you can co- come coach? Well, that's perfect because he was just there. Yeah, he knows right? what it, it takes. He can yeah. relate with the kids. He yeah. just went through the program, you know. Right. And he's going to struggle as a leader with those kids because he's going to say do something, and you know. Well, they're going to look at him more of like a peer the, yeah. rather and than like my coach. Like, well, it, yeah, we just wrestled together last yeah, year. And, and I, you know, I got him here at the the student wrestler development program, helping out. With tutoring, and they'll listen to him when it comes to doing like math homework, right? Because he's in trig, right. he's doing trig not trigonometry right now for his his college, so he's he'll help them out. But then when he tells them like, hey, put the dodgeballs away, they want to test that. So then he's got to learn like 
you know, how do I, how do I, you know, I got to start separating myself from my peers right. and let them know. And it's hard. It's hard. Oh, it definitely. You know, is. in the yeah. army, you, you got this specialist in this private that hangs out with these five specialists and privates because they're all in a squad, right? Well, then you get that one specialist and he's ready to get promoted to sergeant, right? And what we have to do with that kid is we literally have to take him from that squad, that company, promote him to sergeant, and put him in a whole different company of kids he doesn't hang around because that's a hard situation. Yeah. Not everybody can do that. Right. So I'm going to kind of wrap up at least a little bit of the coaching aspect with Lathrop. So you have Jeremy is a sophomore. Right. So, you know, some coaches, when their kids are done with the program and when they're out and they're out the door, they're, they're done. Right. How long do you plan on coaching here at like, Lathrop? So I'll answer this based on I'm hoping my wife does never listens to this podcast. <laughs> um, you know, there's two people I, I have watched in the past that uh, I admire and, and I wish I, I could have like been in a position to be mentored by them. Um, Pat Costello. Yeah, great guy. That freaking guy is awesome. Yep, great coach. I mean, he probably took Ritalin all the way to, to like <laughs> 60, right? You know? Um, and he fight, He gets people mad, gets fired up. Yeah. And I think about that sometimes because I'm an animated coach and, you know, I get people fired up and the refs get on me. And, you know, some coaches feel like, hey, you know, that's disrespectful or you got to behave. And, and I watch that guy and I respect him because he shows the same amount of passion towards the end that he probably had in the beginning. Yeah. And if you can live like that, like, like I have, that I think that's the coolest thing in the world. Um, Fred McKinney, that dude, um, you know, he is a brawler. He's looking for a fight all the time, <laughs> right? That guy, I wish he was still coaching. Yeah. But he's dangerous. Like, he's the head coach at Colony Football. Um the other coach stepped down and he, you know, he hovers around that area and he watches, was it hockey? Like, I don't know what that guy doesn't do, but like, that's a perfect example. He knows how to get the right people on the bus. Right. Right. You know, he's a retired colonel. Um, he could be a CEO of a corporation and make it like a multi-million dollar corporation just because he knows he knows exactly what it takes he's probably the biggest mastermind in this whole state when it comes to building something but he's just he's just cool with being retired and like I'm going to coach programs right right and and any coach that doesn't work with him and pay attention to how he does it rather than what he tells kids to do at practice he should pay attention to like how are you managing all this um you know I have a lot of respect for that guy too. So, right. I plan on being around forever. <laughs> as long you know as you I can, mean? yeah. So we have a business here, Ontario awesome. Grappling Academy, and I want it to, you know, I, you know, I'm trying to mimic what the Lower Forty Eight does in the aspect of like pulling these kids, having more influence over these kids, even during the school day, right? Like practicing in the morning, paying attention. Like I'm teaching vocational teaching how to do resumes. That's one of the classes I do, and it counts for these guys at their home school. And then they do their core classes. And then we do PE. They do PE every semester. I think this is the next level of creating not just great wrestlers, just great, People. great kids. Yeah. Exactly. 
Um, and some of these kids are here because they need a kick in the butt. You know, we're going to have two kids that have never been eligible, never been eligible, and they're a pain in the butt at school because they want to socialize and goof off, right? And, and that's kind of what led me to the school. Like, what if I was around all day? Because when I'm around, they knock it off. Yeah. But, yeah. So what if I'm around all day? What if I had them just do their... Do I have to go inside the school and just walk around? <laughs> but even then, I can't go to everybody's class, right? right? keep an eye on them all so the time. So I came up with this idea, like, I'm going to bring them here. And now these kids are going to be eligible this year. We're going to see these kids on the mat for the first time. Isaiah Sherwood is a beast, right? He's going to turn a lot of heads. People are going to be like, where's he been? Well, he's been screwing around, and, you know, he, you know, he comes from a not a supportive environment at home. So when you say, hey, you're not eligible, go home, you can't be here. Well, we're just reinforcing more bad habits. Yeah, right. So I want to change that. Yeah. That's the whole point of this. I want to change that, and I want to give him a chance or a choice by his senior year that he is able to decide, I want to go to a junior college in Russell, or I want to join the labor union, I want to be an electrician or something, right. rather than be a turd, being a 40-year-old dude riding his bike around so he can get to his job at Burger King. Right. That's not what we want to see wrestlers do. That's not what wrestlers build. That's not the aspect of wrestling that we build. You can be the dumbest kid in the world. If you can work hard, you can get in the labor union and pick things up and put things down Yeah. for way more money than flipping a burger. Does that make sense? No, yeah, totally. So That's a perfect, perfect And then you example. have the other aspect of, like, you got Kobe Ames in here, who's the next level wrestling that can't be really pushed within the state all the time. I mean, you got Hunter Hayes and these other monsters. But, like, he needs to go out to the lower 48 a lot more than normal, right? Right. And then you put them in, like, Lathrop High School, and they don't really support missing a lot of school. They don't always cooperate with, like... Hey, he can take the schoolwork with him. Those teachers don't care, right? But because if his butt's not in the seat, they don't get the money for it, right? So then they they hound him about you need to be here, you need to be here, you need to be here. Well, I have a solution to that. They're going to be here. They're going to follow their NCAA eligibility core courses, and I'm going to get him into college. And he's going to he's going to work at his own pace, and we're going to be able to travel and do those things. So that's the point of this. if it came down to a kid coming up here and doing that, and then, you know, even if they transferred, let's say they transferred, and, the, and Asa is like, well, you know, you can't wrestle at state. You know, you can wrestle at the tournaments, but you can't wrestle at state. That is, you know, you got for one year, you got that punch. It's almost worth it if you're going to get into a place that can't recreate or build what you need as an athlete. Yeah, yeah. You know totally. what I mean? And we have a bigger picture. You got Team Alaska. You got Super 32. You got the Journeyman. You know what I mean? You got all these Christmas classics. Like, okay, so you skip state. You know, you can be a three-time state champ up in Alaska. You can be a four-time state champ. And still, you got to still go out and, and market yourself. Oh, and yeah. Into college. Yep. yep. You got to go to Fargo talk to coaches Sam Schmidt you know the McKendry coach and he's like we don't you know you know we care I mean it makes a difference but it doesn't I mean you can be a three-time state champ from Alaska it doesn't matter to us we want to know what else you're doing right you know what I mean yeah and the network is outside the state I mean how many coaches come up to Alaska state championships yeah not many how many go to the Iowa state championships yeah I imagine a ton (laughs) yeah I mean 
part of that is like it's a twenty minute drive right. for some of them. That definitely but makes it hard for kids in Alaska. Day, you know what I mean? Yeah, because all the kids in Alaska have you to think, travel somewhere. You know? Do you think like the Ohio State coach flies to California State Championships to see what they got there? Yeah, exactly. or sends somebody if they got a kid that they they want to see? Right. Yeah, you're not gonna. You know, if a kid's gonna win a fourth time a fourth title up in Alaska. You know, they're not going to burn a ticket on that. And that sucks because we have kids good enough. But, like, that's not always the case. Like, that coach will catch that kid in Fargo if he's really that committed right. to be at D1, D2. So another question I have, I guess, is <clears throat> as a coach, and I guess just as a person, like, what motivates you to be so involved with wrestling? I mean, I thought that I was, like, you know, had a passion for wrestling. I mean, doing the site now, I'm doing a podcast, I've coached, I've refed, I've wrestled, you know, I've got my – I've played a big part in my little brother's success when he came right, up. Right. You coach Lathrop. You coach at Ryan Middle School. You're the director of Team Alaska, and then you started your own, you know, gym interior grappling academy for freestyle Greco folk style MMA. I mean, you name right, it. Like, right. what? What is it? Just passion is why you're just so involved. I, mean, with I think it, there. Or? I think there. There is a you know. There is a little bit of everything in that. Um, that kind of, you know, I didn't start wrestling until I was a freshman. And what led me into that is like, like, just cause I was a, a skinny little kid that like <laughs> was kind of a brawler that, you know, um, I don't know. I, but I struggled in school. I was like barely el- eligible every time. Um, matter of fact, you know, my head coach took me to my science teacher who he was great friends with the sign teacher's dad and he had to give me a C for me to wrestle. And looking back at that, like as a kid, I, you know, I look back at it and this is a lot of dirt on me. So I'm, I'll just put it out there. But, um, I couldn't, I don't remember if I made up the work or I made it worth it or I validated that he made the right choice or whatever. That sign teacher talked to his dad, came back, and I ended up being eligible. Right. I, in hindsight, I think maybe that was the wrong answer, morally and ethically. But I think, like, the bigger picture in their eyes was, if we don't get this kid on the mat, we're going to lose him to right. something. Yeah. And what I would tell you is, um, years later, I lost my brother to bad decisions of the lifestyle that he chose to hang out. It wasn't anything bad. He got in a car with a buddy that was drunk and they hit a tree and they, you know, he died. And, um, he was, he, he was, he wasn't the person driving, but he tried to go over and it, and it killed him. And I, and I think like he lived in a different house than me. He lived with my mom. He got to do what he wanted. He ran the streets. The same thing, reinforcement of bad behavior. Right. No one beat him up about doing his homework. No one beat me up about doing my homework. But I had this coach that knew, like, I need to keep my claws in this kid. There's something there, right? Yeah, because the other thing is, you know, if you weren't in that room wrestling, you might have been, you know, making the same decisions and you might have been in that car too or, or whatever type thing. And my coach is the one that pushed wrestling all summer. So in Ohio, you go to Ohio and we just wrestle folk style. Well, you're right, but the serious kids also wrestle freestyle and Greco in the summertime. 
and they go to all the big tournaments, they go to Fargo. Well, I was one of those kids. So, you know, I didn't know anything about wrestling. I fell in love with it. Um, I don't know what, how that happened or why it kept going that way or whatever or how, I, you know, I graduated and stuff. And, but now that I look at it, like, it drives, that factor drives the fact that kids need A's and B's. Everybody can get A's and B's. But what that takes is not the kid. The kid's going to do what kid does. Screw off. The kid needs a parent that kicks him in the butt. The kid needs um, a coach that goes and checks on him, um, asks about what's going on in their life. Um, it's kind of like I always post this thing on Facebook, and I, I repeatedly do it, and people probably get tired. But um, it's about this guy that talks about one caring adult and how he did orphans and, like, how many, like, if a marble represented one week of a kid's life, how many marbles you would get at the age of, like, if he was four until they're 18 when they become an adult. So I look at those things, like, to get cheesy, like, a little bit. Like, I want to see kids succeed yeah. and overcome adversity. Right. That they don't know that's there. You know what I mean? Right. That they don't know that's there. So I, I do that. You know, I have kids that come to that are sponsored by me in this gym. Kid never afford it, but if I if I don't do it, they're just gonna go out there and smoke pot and run around and you know, yeah, just know. bad choices, um, you know. And I didn't have a if it wasn't for my grandparents making me go to church and my coach riding my butt all the time, I probably wouldn't be in this aspect. Um, and then when my brother passed away, you know, I was in the military. Something told me to get back on the mat, and that's when I tried out for the All-Army team. And, uh, you know, I made the team. I, I was there for three years. I even did freestyle at the Olympic Training Center when Lincoln McElravey was the residence coach. And I got the Russell Greco at Colorado, Fort Carson. We'd wrestle there with Sean Lewis. And, you know, I picked up, you know, the Greco aspect. And then the freestylers that were on that team that did both styles, like, some of those guys didn't because they were, like, world team members and stuff. They didn't mess with freestyle. They did one style. Some of the Army guys had to do both. I got to go and practice under Lincoln McElravey, so, who was the, that NCAA national champ and Olympian. Yeah. Um, and I wish it would have been good. I wish it would have been, like, an All-American at the senior level or something like that and not been, you know, Keith Seraki, the 2000 Olympian stone around dummy. But the fact is, is, like... My belief is God had a different path for me to be a great coach and be armed with good technique, how to build a program, and then the life of struggle of where these kids are coming from, understanding them, and knowing how to correct that. So I think that's what it is, and I think I'll do that forever. Coming back from war, you know, I'm 100% disabled, because, like, certain aspects of traumatic brain injury and PTSD and my whole neck is fused and all that stuff. Um, you know, everybody does something different. Like, takes up woodworking or takes right. up... Like, I occupy my whole life nonstop with wrestling. These kids are the therapy that I need. Like, if I, wa if I wasn't doing this, I'd go nuts. Yeah. I'd go crazy. I wouldn't do it. I'd, I'd have other thoughts running through my head. But to see kids succeed, that, that's chipping away at kind of the poison that, that was inside me from all that, that bad experience. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Um, 
So you said that you didn't start wrestling until your freshman year yeah. in high school. Wasn't eligible. Wasn't eligible. I think I showed up for a week in eighth grade and said, hey, dude, you don't got grades. I was like, okay. So did someone like come up to you and say like, hey, man, you should wrestle or they had like a meeting or something or you, you just said, hey, that sounds cool. I want to give it a shot type thing or. It's crazy. I don't know why I wrestled. Um, I ran cross country. And that was what I was really good at. I ran cross country. I know you're looking now at a big dude that doesn't <laughs> run. But I was a scrawny little kid. Buddy was bigger than I was by my by my senior year. I was 135. Buddy's bigger than I was. Yeah. His his junior year or sophomore year. Um, I just went out for it. I liked it. You know what I mean? Um, I was a hyperactive kid, and I think I was in taekwondo a little bit, and I kind of liked that, but you know it didn't stick. But wrestling seemed to be, and I picked it up. I had the natural balance, picked up skills, and I was just the the brutality. Kind of like Buddy wrestled, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just nonstop. He wants to break you, break you. And I was a lot meaner, you know? I was a lot meaner. Um, And I wanted to punish everybody that stood. Even when my brother was in the room, like, I did not have a good day unless I could make that kid cry. It was just that (laughs) mentality. Um... And I ended up being, like, I was the best wrestler as a freshman at, at Northview because, like, one of the program wasn't that good yet. And uh, and I was kind of mouthy, so the seniors would get tired of me, and I would just push back and, <laughs> and, and try to thrash them at practice. And then, you know, they'd even it up in the locker room. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I was just curious because, you know, some people get into wrestling when they're five years old. Some people don't get into it until they're a freshman in high school, per se. And I just wanted to kind of, like, emphasize that, you know, it doesn't matter, like, how, like, when you get into it, that it doesn't necessarily translate to success. So closing that gap from not knowing any wrestling to knowing wrestling, I think if, if you're passionate and you're focused... You can take a year and you can almost close that gap of a five-year experience of a young kid wrestling. Because you're just reinforcing fundamentals. You know what right. I mean? You're going to miss some things, some details. But like you can hone your skill set, your talent, if you have the talent. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think that so the passion part goes kind of a long way. I mean, if you're not passionate about it... You know, you're probably not even going to do that well. Even if you have all the talent in the world, you're the right. fastest kid, you're the strongest kid. You put, you know, you maybe yeah. doing it because the parents making you, or you feel obligated because your older siblings well, used to wrestle. Well, if you have a coach that kind of figures out what the dan- dynamic is, like you don't really like the sport, but you're good, and like the coach can kind of figure out if it's a good coach, they can kind of figure out like how do I how do I reach this kid and make him successful to where he starts start starts to like it. You know what I mean? The, the, every kid has a button on them that when you push it, it clicks. Right. And they love it. Yeah. Some kids, you can't find it. No, totally. But it's there somewhere. Yep. There's, and some kids obviously yeah. find it a lot earlier than others. Yeah. I mean... So, I mean, just like anything, like I used to tell guys in the army, like, you know, when we kick a soldier out because they're just boneheads and, and they don't want to change because the army's about... A new environment, new lifestyle. You know, there's no racism. There's no, there's no six sexist and like, we're one team. Like, you know, it's hard. We're not lazy. You know, we're clean. You know, some kids they don't grow up in that lifestyle, but they come in the army because they need money and they need it. 
You know what I mean? And and you break them down, you build them up at basic training. Some kids don't get that. Yeah. And uh, we kick them out. But what I tell the NCO is like, because they're always like, it's this kid, you know, he doesn't listen. And I, and I totally get it. There's some kids you got to kick out. And, I mean, I in basic training, I kicked out a lot. Um, but there is always something there. So as a person, as a coach, as, as a leader, if you're going to push somebody off, you do. You cannot sit here and say, well, it's all that kid's fault. Right? You just have to say, listen, like, I'm going to accept failure on this. Um, I can't do it. Like, I got to push this kid off. But this is this is my fault. But I have to weigh the better good of the rest of the kids are here. Because if I if I put all my attention to figure this out, I'm gonna I'm gonna take away from all these other kids. You know what I mean? Right. So there's gotta be there's gotta be some smart uh, management of that of saving every kid. Yeah. Okay, so I want to talk about coaching experiences. Any in particular moments that stick out as like a really bad or sad or quote unquote haunting moment or, and then on the flip side of that, something that like happened like really good that like you'll never forget besides like winning a state championship or whatever as a team or watching your son win. I mean, is there a moment as a coach that stands out that you're like that as a coach made me feel awesome or I feel terrible about that? I I think like on good moments, you know, there's guys that win state champions, stuff like that. And those are always good. Like, those are great because you share that yeah. with that kid. Right. I think it, there's something to be said when when a kid wins when he's not supposed to win. Or he wins when he has to deal with adversity to be able to win. Right. Right. You know, talented kids winning, um, you know. You see a lot of great kids like Eli Hutchison and Nathan Hoffer, and these guys are four-time state champs. Um, they come from great families. They're great kids. Nothing to take away. Um, those are great moments to watch and, and, and be a part of and know that you're coaching those kids. Dustin Baxter, he was at West Valley when he won his title. You know, he lost to Kel Byers before that. And I had just moved back and decided to take over Lathrop, and he's the first kid I went and saw before I made that decision made that public um, I went to Dustin first and Ron Baxter who brought me on to West, uh, West Valley when I came back from my rack I said hey look I was offered this and I want to go do this are you okay with that and they were okay with it I, I know they were a little hurt over it um, but they were okay with it so uh, you know like those are always good I think what what sticks in my mind the most like, is there a particular kid like, or, when like... when someone asked me to remember something, like, I remember, like, when Dylan Ackman got caught on the edge by the service kid and lost the title. Couldn't, couldn't, got back up to his feet and couldn't get the points back. Kalen Baxter missing an ankle pick on Ed Bailey and catch at state, at catch a can and losing a state title there. You know, those, because, like, you know how hard the kid worked? And it didn't end, and I was a younger coach too, and it didn't end in a manner that validated his worth of how hard he worked. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. So those chip away a little bit more. And when I think of stuff like remembering stuff, you know, Kent Osborne, um, 
that is a state championship that I absolutely love. He's a huge, what, what, 81, 89, 182. Huge. Yeah, 89 I mean, at the time, I think. Yeah. yeah. And he's cutting weight for that. Yeah. But he's huge, and he's mean. So nobody in the room could wrestle. I, I had two guys' weights, and, like, mom and dad would come cry that Kent was too t- rough with them at practice. And I'm thinking, so this is when I was still healthy. So every day, I'm practicing with this kid. And, and if, he, if a lot of people remember, like, he had this unbelievable wizard, right? If you shoot in a double leg, like, he wizards hard and tries to bounce your head off. So um, I beat my body up pretty good getting him ready for that state title against Eddie Buffington, who was a two-time All-American for me. Yeah. Like, and Kent did, went to Fargo and didn't place. Like, right. So, like, if you look at it on paper, like, yeah, you think Eddie, that Eddie crushes win. him. Right, right? yeah. Um, so I literally, like, had problems with my shoulders um, I had a stinger all the time in my neck. And I was like <laughs> From wrestling with to, him? Yeah. Right. Trying to survive this season for him to... Because um, there was no one worth... Yeah, no one... No, no, one, no one really that... Could go- push him. No right. one could even get a takedown on him. Gotcha. He just beat everybody up. Yeah, and, so he's not getting any better. And the coaches better. we got were small. Like Kurt Allen's like right. 120. Like yeah, no one's so that's not even... Yeah. So I'm here wrestling this guy. And, <laughs> and we spent that whole summer too... Um, like I was still wrestling in cheesy tournaments against him, and like, and we were wrestling, and he's getting to the point where he figured me out. He even beat me in a match. Um, so when he won the state title against Eddie and jumped in my arms, that's an awesome moment to me, right? Because there was some self-sacrifice on both parts. Like, uh, so you know, there's tons of them. There's yeah. Ton, there's so many. But in particular, I, it's probably one of the the ones that you'll just. Never forget, just given what, like you, like you said, what you put into it, and you know what he put into it, and just seeing him finally reach his, you know, because he was a senior, seeing him finally reach what, you know, the goal that, because a lot of kids, I think, when they come in to wrestle in high school, their first, their main goal is to win a state championship by the time they're done. There's some kids that are expected to win that have always won, like Eli Hudgeson, and it's almost like this kid should win four. If not, then you know, either he got upset or just, or something happened or whatever. But, and, but there's other kids who are content and their goal is to just win, just win it once, you know, because I wrestled with Kent what, you know, he was a freshman when I was a senior. So, you know, he came in and I'm not saying he was bad or anything, but he was battling for, you know, varsity with our, a kid named Jairus Lewis. So seeing how he came from a freshman all the way up to his senior and then seeing him, you know, attain what he was like working so hard for over the four years, knowing that, you know, maybe he, I, I mean, I honestly don't know if he was planning on going to college or wanted to go to college to wrestle, right. but a lot of kids, you know, typically don't have that necessarily that much of a passion to want to go do that. So just um, went to state one time and in the manner that he did. You know, really, you know, before, so I could tell you kids that like, we're in the finals. Like, so, like, moments that stick in my head that kind of drive me, I guess, that make things memorable to the point where I want to keep doing this, aren't the wins, the losses. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Zach Tolver will always be my biggest, um, I don't know how you would label that. Place third two times, second once. Two and out as freshman year. Yeah. Right? 
kid is at the Olympic Training Center in northern Michigan going to Sweden this October, wrestling internationally, going on tour to train, and then wrestling in a tournament. He's going to be a big deal. Yeah. One of the biggest deals that, have come, you know, next to Michaela Hutchinson being a national champ, um, winning senior nationals. I can see him doing that. He's not a state champion. Yeah. He never got, he didn't get it done. Um, I wish he would have. Because in his mind, because I had so many state champions that were his peers, and he worked harder than some of those guys. Yeah. Um, he didn't feel it validated who he was and what he was in front of that audience. You know, he wanted to be baptized a state champion in front of his right. community. And it didn't happen. So he had to go out and make do something bigger. And he yeah. did it. So, like, stuff like that. You right. know what I mean? Stuff like that. Um, yeah, no, it makes sense. I want to say my son's first year winning state was a great moment for me. And the reason why is, is it's not because it was my son. Um, I think there was a lot of emotion in that because I want to say, so the two years before his freshman year, he goes to state. We move up here, he goes to state. And he loses to Seth Hutchison in the semifinals. Yep. Right? Come back into third. And Seth ends up being a four-time state champ. Comes back, takes third, beats uh, Barrett Sturgeon. Yep. Who just mopped him up all season. Yep. That was cool because um, he showed, like, growth. Right. But he got beat by Seth. Sophomore year, comes back, and he's in the finals against Seth Hutchison and just gets tooled and, like, spladled and pinned in front of... And, and both years, he's in the newspaper for the state title on the front page getting cartwheeled on his head and then pinned on his back. Right? Right. So it's like, what the hell? Like, he, he, you know, we tease him about that. So his junior year, we go into Lancer, and, you know, I feel like there's some questionable calls, and he really wanted to win the Lancer, and it didn't happen against Hopkins. You know what I mean? And you've got dad coach against dad coach with both their sons wrestling each other. Um and he was pretty distraught. And he's not normally like that. He's mad, but he's, he was pretty crushed. I was pretty crushed. Um, but I knew, I knew, like, the worst thing they could have done to that kid was to make a bad call and make him lose the match. Right. Because Buddy is just, he does not like losing. You know what I mean? doesn't like losing. So anyways, when it came down, when he won that title... And he pretty much dominated the whole match and showed. And, like, Buddy's a very polite, like, sensitive kid who doesn't yeah. who doesn't show much. Um, well, then you got this picture here on the wall, too, yeah. of him. You know, he seems to be yelling. He's yeah. pumping his fist. I mean, he's super stoked. You're in the background. Yeah, you're I think super he's happy. Finger wave. Yeah, I mean, you're super happy that he won. I mean, and he's... Obviously, yeah. just super elated here. So that was big. Yeah. Between that and Ken. That does it for part one of the interview with Wes Bacher. Unfortunately, the podcast was cut short due to time constraints, but part two will be coming soon, so stay tuned.